1: See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system
0: for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting Great Ten sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean we say it all the time, whether you know there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean um, we're we we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays.
1: Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. I'm joined this week by Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity. Jacob, hello. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well, Derek. You, uh, it's it's, basketball season has started, so I'm sure you're doing better than before basketball season started. At the same time, this has been a very wacky, weird, stressful start to the basketball season. Um, not for you as a Creighton alum, I mean, they're, they're good, you're fine there, but the rest of us have to deal with weird results. And uh, th- I, there have been some some weird results. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, Nebraska basketball. They started 2-0. They did not win a third game. Uh, that was Thursday night. We're recording this Friday morning because I wanted to see what the result of the St. John's game would be before we recorded this. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about Nebraska basketball. But first, Jacob, I want to ask you um, – there, there have been some some interesting uh, developments to start this basketball season. Michigan State almost took down Gonzaga, and then followed it up by beating Kentucky. And it's not a weird result. It's the Michigan State team, Tom Izzo, but they were unranked, um, so it's gonna you know it's gonna catch headlines. Um, Colorado went to Tennessee and beat Tennessee, and Colorado also has losses to Grambling and UMass. Um, there have been some some strange college basketball results so far has this been the most entertaining start to a season that we've had in a while or is this just standard
0: uh, i mean th- there definitely have been some uh, i think more than usual like what the heck happened there like it's mm-hmm. crazy like the, the conference that you uh you cover out there pac pack 12 the the pack 12 slack legacy series or whatever it is uh, that went very poorly for the the, the Pac-12. It did. Uh, they lost all the road games. <laughs> it did. So, yep. Uh, pro- which probably means uh, we're never going to see one of these again, where high major is willingly going to multiple low mid uh, <laughs> low to mid major teams as part of a challenge anymore. Uh, yeah. So, great. <laughs> it's it's funny the uh, the little uh, the. the The lesser conference finally gets a chance to to host somebody and absolutely takes advantage of it. And so it'll be a it's not a one time off because they got a multi year deal. But I don't think we're going to see other leagues following suit, unfortunately. Which that's how it works. Uh, I wish it didn't, uh, but everybody's worried about themselves. Uh,
1: No, hey, but everybody else kind of uses the Pac twelve as sort of the guinea pig to make sure they make (laughs) the mistakes over there, so that the rest of the conferences know what not to
0: do yeah well what's interesting is uh all the kind of the nil fear mongers talked about how this was the death of the mid-major and these other these lower level programs aren't going to be able to compete because the, the the big schools are just going to be able to throw all the money around and um so far that has could not be further from the truth which uh not surprising to me um there's only so many roster spots you can have and guys uh are kind of fall through the cracks everywhere like there's a reason it worked the way it did before and it'll be the same even with NIL. um some guys that that could play at high majors will fall through the cracks and um, some of those guys will stick it out at the mid-majors because they've got a good relationship with the coaches they like their situation some guys will leap to the to the the big conferences and but even some of those guys that do don't necessarily like turn into superstars uh, at the, they just end up being role players and kind of more of the same. So um, ultimately I, I'm not, I, I think it, it just, it's college basketball. Like even, even the best teams uh, and not all these teams that lost are the best teams, but even high majors um, c- can struggle against, against lower to mid majors when those on any given night.
1: Let's, um, which do you want to start with first? Because you were at the Nebraska Creighton women's basketball game, um, and you got to spend a little bit of time around the Creighton program before that game. And then obviously you're going you cover men's basketball, so you're you're intimately aware of what's going on with them. Um, so you had to suffer through the second half of the St. John's game. Which do you want to start with first? Like, it was it was one of those things where I was like, let's start let's talk basketball, so I don't have to talk about football, and uh, and then basketball was so like no reprieve. Um, yeah, so which I- one do you want to start with first?
0: yeah looking like playing it out this week on Sunday, this had a chance to be a really good week for the men and women down at Nebraska, and uh, it went very poorly uh, so fortunately, there's not really positives to talk about with either one, but I guess we'll start with the men uh, okay. because they're more recent and then circle back to the women because um it was a bad night more than uh, maybe an indication of where we're headed, which maybe wasn't the case for the men.
1: Okay. Yeah, so ju- I, just let me set the table for you. So they beat Maine 79-66 to open the season. Nebraska men's basketball does. They, bre- they beat Nebraska Omaha 75-61. Both of those teams are outside the Ken Palm top 300. So they get a 2-0 start. It's great. But you're expected to win those games. Then they play St. John's. Ken Palm 37. Um, and they get blown off the court in the second half. And they can't shoot the ball. And what we were kind of talking about before we jumped on this pod was the things that you were afraid to see, you saw the things that you hoped that we could see. You didn't. So I I guess, you know, what were those things like, what was concerning about it? It was, it was obviously concerning second half, but what specifically was concerning about the second half as it relates to moving
0: forward throughout the rest of the season? Okay, so the the biggest question I had about this team heading in is, how would they generate offense? Who would be that guy that could go create an advantage? Because I just didn't see a lot of ball handling on this on this team, and got even more worried when Hoiberg started talking about Emmanuel Bandemel being the secondary ball handler based on what I had seen of him on his SMU tape, and sure enough, here we get into this game, nobody can like. Sam Greasel made some good plays early on, getting in the lane and setting guys up, but um, St. John's kind of adjusted and made life difficult, and Nebraska didn't really have a counter. They had nobody else that could go consistently create a uh, create an advantage, draw help, get somebody wide open, and um, create, create an easy bucket. And that's where everything they took was contested um, or a, a jump shot. And they did not hit – they were 5-27 of 27 from three. And, the I mean, you look at a guy like Juwan Gary, he got off to a great start um, in that exhibition, scored 21 or whatever in the first game. You're like, oh, hey, uh, maybe he's gotten better offensively. Hit a couple of threes early on. Um, and we're thinking, and Hoiberg talked about the improvement he made there. and um, But then here we are, eight points on 4-14 four, four, uh, four shooting, 0-5 from three. It, he again, continues to rebound the ball well. He'll, he'll scrap on defense, but um, he's just not a particularly skilled player, although he is aggressive. Um, Bandeville, like I said, uh, he's, I mean, dude shot sub 40% from the field at SMU, scored 10 a game, but I, I, I kind of viewed him more as a Trey McGowan's type, where good defensively, he'll give you some things, but is not a guy that you can rely on to be consistently good and efficient on offense, and Big problem is he was 0 for 3 from 3. And that's a guy shot 35% last year. It's a guy you got to be able to rely on to knock down some threes uh, if this team is going to have any success. Um, So those are some of the things I worried about. And as the game went on, like I said, Griso created some opportunities early. Um, He's a guy that scored 20 20 a game in, in the first two games or totaled 40 points. And, um, he kind of let the game come to him as as it went on in each of those, and got going, and kind of stepped up when Nebraska hit some rough patches. And he's a guy that got downhill and got to the rim and finished, or drew a foul, or whatever. Problem is, like he's the only ball handler on, on this team, and if he has to handle the ball, you can't really put him in a position where he can take advantage of what he does well on offense. And with guys couldn't really get open off the ball in. Advantageous situations and threatening spots. Um, he ended up having to force some bad passes, made a couple of bad decisions, but uh, some of his turnovers were simply nobody was doing anything. He had nowhere to go with the ball, or uh, guys were sneaking up behind him, and nobody was communicating, or uh, they were just double teaming him because they're not worried about leaving anybody else. And so they just had no kind of answers. Like, how are we going to score points? And the guys you needed to take a leap this year. C.J. Wilcher, six points on two of eight shooting. He was only one of six from three and did have ones in all the other categories. Doesn't really do anything besides score. And outside of one game, he has not shot the ball well. And uh, Wilhelm Breidenbach coming off the injury. You were hoping he was a top 150 type of recruit. Uh, he's a guy that they prioritized early on in, in the recruiting process and stuck with him. Uh Played 21 minutes, was one of eight from the field, missed all three of his threes, which were all wide open, only had three rebounds. Um, so it's just a lot of things coming together to result in a 50-point outing.
1: Well, so they're they're 28% from a three on the season. Um, is this just a case of, like, you know, they're slow starting – they're cold right now. Maybe some of these shots start to fall later. Or is this a situation like, is it fair to say that like Nebraska is, is really reliant on a couple or a handful of three point shooters making their shots. And if those are, those guys aren't going to make their shots, then they're just not going to shoot. Well,
0: absolutely. Uh, the three guys that you need to rely on. Um, and I wrote about this in my padding, the stats column or, my notebook, rather early in the week, uh, casey Tomonaga, CJ Wiltshire, and Amana Bannabelle. Those are the three guys that you can kind of look to as guys that are shooters that have proven throughout their career that they can shoot on a, a decent uh, volume of shots. Um, you need those three guys to, to be hitting at least two of the three to be hitting every single game to hit multiple threes. Um, because a guy like Sam Greaso, he can make a three, but it's going to be like one every other game or something like that. He's not a guy that takes a lot of them. Um, Juwan Gary is a guy that, I mean, could not shoot at all. Fred Hoiberg liked, like I said, liked his development, thought he had a chance to improve some things. Uh, But he's been the same guy that he has been throughout his career. Uh, Their bigs don't shoot at all. Wilhelm Breinbach uh, was supposed to be a shooter and it's just not going in for him. Um, So they just don't have a lot of shooting in the lineup. So, they're reliant on those guys to provide much of their force spacing, much of their threes. Casey Tomonaga has, has done his job. He's had two good games out of the start so far. Um, he was the one guy that was making shots in that game. Scored 15 points on five of eight shooting, hit three threes, although one of them was a bank. <laughs> but he's shooting 43% so far, uh, making two a game. Like you get that out of Casey, like you can't really ask anything more than what he's given them so far. But CJ Wilcher. I mean, he is at 33%, and a lot of that came in one game. Uh, we're still in the small sample size theater portion of the season. So um, you, you need a lot more than that. You can't he, – he can't be a guy that disappears, especially because he doesn't – like I said, he doesn't impact the game uh, in any other way besides shooting the ball, and he's a liability on defense for the most part. So you got to have that guy hitting shots. And he has not. And Amanda Bantamell is at twenty percent through three games. Um, so they, it's a limited shooting roster, and the guys that you relied on to provide that shooting, for the most part, outside of Tominaga, aren't haven't delivered so far.
1: What do you do with uh, Wilhelm? Do you like? Do you have to just ride it out and see what happens? Just continue to feed him minutes and hope that eventually. You know, it starts to click and he turns things around, or or do you? I mean, because he, like you said, he's one of their guys that, you know, they put a lot of eggs in that basket and he's sort of a kind of a linchpin piece for them. Like, what do you, what do, you do with that, with that spot moving forward?
0: Well, hopefully at some point, Derek Walker will be back. Um, he's apparently dealing with a back issue on top of whatever is keeping him out right now. So that's not encouraging about when he does get cleared to play. You're like, oh, is this something that'll, impact him down the road, um, but um, that'll help. You'll start him at the five, and that's that's the other thing. Like His absence, you really saw it in, in this game because you didn't, like I said, Sam Greasel didn't have any other playmaking help, didn't have a threat that you could get the ball to in the middle of the floor and have somebody cut off of him and um, have him go to work in the post one-on-one because Blaze Keita is not ready for this level of competition right now and like we were talking about with Wilhelm, has not, has not played well. Um, so once, uh, once Derek gets back, then I think yeah, Fred's going to have to make some decisions and maybe play the matchups, play the hot hand between Wilhelm and, um, and Blee's keyed it as the backup five. Because at this point, unless you're playing a team that does play two traditional bigs, I don't think you want to play Wilhelm at the four, which is what the plan was coming into the season. He opened the year at the starter for their two exhibitions. um, And it just, it it did not work. Um, So, but, and even at the five last night, we saw him exposed at times by Joel Soriano, who's 6'11 and 260. Uh, So yeah, they're going to have to stick with him to a certain degree. Like, again, this is a guy coming off a knee injury that, ended his season after just 10 games. So he's still, he's like less than 15 games into his division one career at right. this point. So it's too early to completely write him off, but it has not looked good early on. And um, they really don't have any other options. Like Oleg Koenetz isn't a guy that like he, he showed a, had a couple of nice plays early in the exhibition season, but he's not a guy that you're going to throw out there for 20 minutes as a backup five at this point. So, uh, Breinbach, I think you're going to have to ride with it to a certain degree. Um, but as, as Walker gets back, I uh, he very well could see his minutes start to reduce, uh, if, if he doesn't improve.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, he's so green that you like, you're like, is this too hasty to make any kind of like big decisions? But at the same time, it was a little wild to think that you're three games into your season and the, the starting four that you thought that you were going to have, you're like, yeah, this doesn't work. Yeah
0: well maybe he was just uh, distracted by the uh, taylor swift ticket situation uh this past week and wasn't able to properly prepare he was just
1: in complete disarray over the yeah. taylor swift situation yeah and i my... sure he was
0: probably waiting to get tickets on friday and uh saw that the, it got canceled and it just completely ruined his, his mood
1: so my wife went through the presale situation so she was she was in the office in the the queue to get tickets basically the entire work day. And it became such a ordeal that like her entire um, floor, like all of her coworkers were so invested in her getting these tickets that when she was finally able to get through and finally able to like secure them, there were, there were like literal cheers. People were happy (laughs) and like excited for her. It was such
0: a big thing. Um, I'm not sure if if any of the people, yeah. I'm not sure if any of the people that I knew that were, jumped on even got tickets like talking there were a bunch of people like throughout the last couple of days that i knew were involved i don't know if any of them got through the queue
1: my brother texted me um thursday night I was it was thursday night and he was like so i had the idea to try to get taylor swift tickets for my friend and he's like i had no idea that that would be that <laughs> yeah and I was like, that is the most stereotypical like man story as it relates to a oh, like a, a, we'll be able a female tickets. friend that I think I've ever heard of. He's like, like he wants to do something nice and has absolutely no idea how complicated a situation he is walking into to try to pull that yeah. thing off. And then it's just like, nope. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I put I put in 10% of the effort. We're done. It was it was perfect. It was a perfect story. Um, another thing he texted me was that he's surprised uh, that Nebraska hasn't been able to win, given how well, he said, relatively successful they have been recruiting. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, I, I think you look at the totality of all four of these rosters, and I think the recruiting well portion of it, it probably – isn't accurate and they they've they've landed some stars in a mix here but they haven't been able to form a full rotation of quality high major starters at, at any point point. and you look at right now like recently the recruiting wins obviously bryce went one and done but um like wilhelm Breinbach was the second best recruit in that class top 150 he's not giving you anything at this point Ramel Lloyd Jr. was the top recruit in this last class and he's redshirting right now because he couldn't crack the rotation to, to open the season. Um, and the other guys in the class are kind of just like average three-star recruits. Um, and Blaze Kido was considered the best Juco center in the country by some. Um, he's really struggled to make that, that leap from Juco to D1 and I'm not surprised. Like Watching his, his uh, Juco tape from last year Um, Like, I wasn't quite sure how we'd fit in at this level and on this team. Um, You you go, like, just, you look back at some of the role players, like a Kobe Webster, a Latman, guys like that. um, They just weren't good enough to be what you needed them to be at this level. Um, So just kind of throughout, they haven't been able to, I think uh, the reason Hoiberg is where he is right now, he made a mistake with, the Matt Abdelmasi situation and trusting him to come here and replicate what they did at Iowa State. I think a lot, of the, a lot of the best guys that they landed don't fit the way that Hoiberg wanted to play. And a lot of the role players that they landed weren't good enough to fill their roles consistently, which made life even more difficult for the best players that didn't fit. And that's how you, like all that comes together to produce four non-functioning offenses at this point, not to mention uh, sacrificing on the defensive end with a lot of those recruits because you were trying to 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 kind of look for the offensive ability. Um, th- this is the first year that they've added some, like, the physicality and hustle guys. Like, there was one possession where Sam Breesel hit the ground twice on, on the same possession. He dove, like, he's pushing the ball in transition. Defender gets a hand in there. He dove and knocked it ahead. To uh, a teammate um, and then I don't know got blocked or forced a bad pass or whatever and then he dove again to try to save the ball back uh, to his team like that guy's giving everything giving you everything you got you got a guy like Denim Dawson out there hustling Gary Gary's just going hard like they're hustling they're, they're they're fighting harder but the offensive talent just isn't there and defensively they're still they're still not. I think they're better in the personnel, but they're not equipped to be like a lockdown defense right now. They don't have any rim protection besides taking charges, and they are lacking in perimeter quickness. Um, so you've got a six-seven guy like Sam Greco guarding um, like Posh Alexander or Andre Corbello because um, you your Bandamel is your best on-ball defender, and he's a six-four shooting guard. You don't have anybody that can really guard quick point guards. And then CD Wiltshire, you got to try to hide him somehow. Um, so I think the the recruiting has not gone as well. They've had some bad things, like had some bad luck with the COVID situation in year two uh, and how they were impacted by it. They've lost some games in some just like bizarre ways. Uh, that And so, in yeah, Nebraska. that bad luck. Not bizarre. Yeah, ways. They're they're right. Not bizarre anymore. It's Nebraska. That's ways. true. That That is very true. But you add all that together, that's how you go from uh, a bad record to the worst record that the coaches had at, at Nebraska. Um, so I, I think, yes, you, you look at the recruiting class, you see some some highly regarded players in there, but if you look at the totality of the situation, they haven't recruited a full Big Ten competitive roster yet through four years.
1: That's... um. I mean, that's that that's ultimately on Fred. Yeah. That ultimately falls on Fred. Their inability to to get players in here and sort of um, help them reach potential is on Fred. Um, the inability to sort of find guys that fit what he wants to do is on Fred. you got a tweet. I'm going to quote a very smart basketball guy uh, last night watching the game. Effort only takes you so far. You need to execute as well. They haven't done that in any phase of the game this half. That's Jacob tweeting that by the way um, and you're right. And that ultimately also falls back on Fred. Um, so they've got, you know, <laughs> like you play in the big 10. There's, there's no reprieve at, at any point in your schedule. you got Arkansas pine bluff, you got Queens uh, before the Christmas break. Everybody else is a top, Top 100, Ken Palm opponent. Six of your next nine are against Ken Palm. Top 100. A seventh game is Boston College, which is 105. Um, and is Boston there Maine. like right? Yeah <laughs> is right. is there, uh, is is there any scenario where you you see this just going sideways and they have to do another in season move, or is this a situation where you think that? they're just going to roll through the season and then reassess at the end of the year.
0: Yeah. I, I'd lean reassess at the end of the year, just um, because I I think with a guy like Griso with some of these guys, again, we haven't seen them with Derek Walker. Like he's your best or second best player on the team uh, on a team already short of playmakers, difference makers. You're missing one of the guys that can, can be that. Um, it's not like, not like walkers a hunter dickinson or somebody like that that's going to completely change everything once he gets back but for a team with such small margins you need every little bit you can get and so we'll see kind of what they look like once he gets back um and again a guy like greasel i think he i think this was kind of a unique situation like i don't foresee an eight turnover game a 4.8 turnover game from greasel again um And there aren't teams that are going to pressure quite like St. John's does like full, full court, everywhere in the half court, you're out denying Um, that, that that was something they hadn't seen before and they were not ready for it. Um, They didn't have a solution. So I I don't know that it's going to look like that the rest of the season, but I mean, you, you do have a chance to, to pile up some losses. I, I just don't know that that Trev Alberts has the urgency in basketball that he did in football to make that early in-season move. Um, like, I wouldn't – I mean, at this point, you can never – like, he gave Fred the same deal that he gave Frost and turned around and two game, three games in uh, went back on it because he felt like he had no choice. But especially with the coaching search ongoing still, uh, I think Trev probably has his attention elsewhere at this point so I, I don't know that we're gonna like in a week like oh uh fire fire hoiberg and just elevate somebody else to, to play up the i i'd i'd lean towards him getting the full season to to reevaluate um but this, right. i mean he's also only
1: got early. one loss on the yes. season right like this is the first yeah. loss and, and we we opened talking about all the weird results so like you know nebraska turns around and beats Indiana or Purdue in a couple of weeks, you know, like something, you know, suddenly things change a little bit at the same time, on the same token though, like he made the move with frost when he did, because it was obvious that the same things were happening that were happening before that put him in the position that he was in. Do you get the sense that the same things are happening here with basketball? And the other piece of it is, did you, I don't know, maybe you didn't even, like, look, but did you get the sense that the, I guess, the fan engagement or the fan, the attitude toward the program was like more of the same, more of the same? What are we going to do? Did you get that sense?
0: Okay. So, answer the first question to start with. I, you listened to all the offseason talking points from Hoiberg and the way they built the roster. He, every change that Frost made, it seemed was uh, kind of grudging. Like he didn't really want to do it. he felt like he had to. I don't know that he ever embraced any of it. Um, I don't think that has been the case with Hoiberg. I think Hoiberg has taken his marching orders from his boss and tried to execute them to the best of his ability. He's trying to go get a team that plays hard, that plays together, that is going to give the, the fans everything they've got night in and night out. Like he's tried to go do that. And that's what he's been emphasizing. That's what the off season was all about developing that kind of play Um so I think Fred he, he really wants to do what it what he needs to to keep this job, which I don't know that that was ever the case with, with Frost. So I think that's another difference there. Um, so we'll see is he could is he able to execute that 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 uh, that um, I guess that plan kind of make that uh, that vision a reality uh, to to Albert's uh, satisfaction uh early indications are maybe not but he i think he put in a good faith effort and has at least made the changes that um i think bigelow kind of we talked about this early in the season one of our episodes bigelow dug up the the quote from alberts to the to world herald about who, what what he wants to see in a basketball team and you fast forward through all hoiberg's summer and preseason press conferences. Basically, regurgitating all the points that that Albert's made in that quote. So um, on that, so it's not necessarily more of the same, um, except for their struggle, their offensive struggles. Um, so uh, on that point, I, I do think Hoiberg has tried to change. Um, we'll see if this was uh, a lot of things coming together, or if this is just what it's going to be moving forward. Like you said, we'll we'll get plenty more tests coming up here soon. Um, but on the second point, I think the, kind of the resiliency that they showed in the first two games, which you don't want to have to show resiliency against sub 300 teams, but, uh, show like this is a team that did not start two and 0 at any point under Hoiberg's tenure until this year, they lost one of their first two games in each of the first three years. Um, they have not lost a bye game yet, which has not been the case the last three years. So at least the game they lost was on the road against another high major. Um, and a good but team. Yes. Uh, we'll see. Uh, St. John's, I think, a lot of Nebraska leading at halftime 27-20 was as much to do with St. John's as it did uh, Nebraska, I think. Their shot selection was awful in, in that half. But Nebraska also made some good defensive plays and played hard on that end. Um, so have to give them some credit. But um we'll, we'll see how good St. John's ends up being. But... um <sighs> I think there were some fans that were buying into kind of the talking points, the, the grittiness. uh, This is a team that's playing better together. It's a team that I I saw a lot of comments about, uh, had more fun watching this team than I did at any point last year, um, despite having uh, Bryce McGowan's and guys like that on the team. Um, So I think there was a little bit of like hesitant buy-in, but I think last night, like I said, kind of, uh, emphasize all the fears that the fans may have had about this team and where they're going to struggle. Uh, and now people are kind of fall, a lot of fall, are falling back to, well, more of the same. This, this is it, like waiting towards next year already. Um, so that, that it is kind of, it's the fan base is on, uh, I think it's kind of thin ice where any little thing, um, can push them right back into ah, – now, this, this season is hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that certainly pushed them in that direction uh, th- that game last night. But we'll see if they can find a way to get them back and t- to right the ship.
1: Real quick, Nebraska women's basketball lost 77-51 to Creighton in Omaha. Um, I guess what was your main takeaway from, from that game? This is, it, it seems like a better – Uh, program women's team is than the men's team at least at this point further along um i guess what you know do you agree with that and what what was your takeaway from the the creighton loss
0: yeah i think i mean that was number 20 versus number 22 sold out arena stage stage was set for uh, a big time showdown and as fun a game as we've had in this series in a while and nebraska just didn't show up uh creighton went and tested themselves on the road at South Dakota State, who entered the season ranked, and at South Dakota, who made a deep postseason run last year. And those are both teams that Green has struggled with uh, in recent years. And they went to them, and they, they took care of business, won both those games, um, and came back home. This was their first home game. So that's a team that went and tested themselves and showed that they were capable. Nebraska, on the other hand, played a couple of cupcakes and won very easily. And didn't really have to work that hard for it. And so you come into this game, like you like the, the pieces, you like the talent, but they just didn't look ready to play this game. They looked panicked all night. Creighton had a great game plan to take away their strengths, and Nebraska just never found a way to to counter. They kept trying to force the same things and that, that weren't working. And they stuck with it instead of trying to find a different way to attack them or finding a way to beat the the game plan that, that Creighton had for them. Um, so this was, I think this was a wake-up call for Nebraska. And they had, their best players did not play well. And um, they didn't really get much from the bench either. Like, you had a couple plays here or there. Um, but for the most part, they just they had no answer for what Creighton was doing. And um, Creighton didn't even get a great game from their best players. It was Molly Mogensen and Carly Batchelor who combined for 37 points on 16 of 24 shooting, which that's like their fourth, fifth option there. I mean, Batchelor wasn't even starting uh, this year until Rachel Saunders got hurt and missed a game. And Saunders is uh, a key piece for them. So Creighton, not only did they win by 26, they did it without one of their starters. So uh, I think this is a wake-up call for Nebraska. Uh, the talent is still there. Like, Lux Markowski is a, a very good player. Jazz Shelley isn't going to shoot four for 14 many games. Um, I, I think you'll get more out of Allison Widener as you continue. This was her first real test at, at this level. She looked really good in their first two games, and I uh, still like her potential to be that second ball handler. And this was their first game where they really missed Sam Hybe. Um, because, again, everything came easy to, to whiten her in the first two games. He scored like 45 points in the two games, and she hardly shot the ball in, in this one because Green um, did a good job of defending Nebraska's offense as a whole.
1: Okay. Well, uh, we got a lot more games left, um, a lot of season left. There are b- both programs are only three games into their season, so lots of games left. Um, Jacob Bedillo will have coverage at HaleVarsity.com. Uh, for most of it all on the men's side and are you going to be able to do more stuff on the women's basketball side
0: um i probably won't do a ton of rain i'll try to make it to a few games here there were here and there, sense yeah um yeah. drake keeler's got that uh, got that beat handled for us so definitely go follow him if you want more from them you will mostly just get thoughts and observations from me and we'll we'll have drake on periodically to on the nebraska shooter on our podcast to 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 make sure the women get uh, some attention that they deserve, but um, yeah, and um, go subscribe to that podcast as well if you want more hoops talk, including more of a breakdown of that Creighton Nebraska game. We spent thirty minutes on that, um, so you can that's you can still go listen to that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I got. Jacob and Jacob,
1: Padilla and Bigelow, the Nebraska shoot around podcast. Like you just said, make sure that you are subscribed to all the Hail Varsity podcasts. Uh, Brandon Vogel has the ID preview show. Aaron Sorensen, Sasa Durkin have Mind Your Own. Um, Jacob, thanks for coming on. It's good to catch up.
0: Thanks for having me. Hopefully uh, the next time we talk, uh, we'll have some better basketball to break down.
1: Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, uh, like I said, keep reading Uh Go to the website and subscribe using the promo code Varsity. Make sure that you can read everything and anything that you want to read. So shouts to you guys uh, for listening to this episode every week just to cam for producing this episode every week and we'll be back next week thanks guys a hood at media production